Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Lord, we give you thanks, Lord, that this is the place you have chosen to pour out. You say, look how good and blessed it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. For there you command blessing. There you command eternal abundant life, Lord. There is the meaning and the resources to be able to fulfill your call upon our lives, Lord. And with all clarity, remove all obstacles, Lord. Remove every restraint. Break every chain, Lord. Break everything that binds and holds us captive from serving you with excellence and with joy. We pray that your word today would come and refresh us, that your word would come today, enlighten us, making us wise unto salvation, Lord. For by your word, we are fed spiritually. By your word, it is a lamp unto our feet, and your word is a double-edged sword, and your word makes us wise according to your plan and your purpose for our lives. Your provision is complete in lining up with your word. Father, remove all stubbornness, all disobedience, every spirit that comes to strip us of our inheritance in Christ and adorn us with garments of praise that when people see, they might acknowledge that we serve a great and mighty God for the banner that is above us is your love, your everlasting, extravagant, lavish love poured out in our lives, in our families, Lord. And help us, Lord, close the doors and remove ourselves from areas of devastation and desolation. We pray, Father God, that you forgive us our sins and that with all clarity we might understand your ways and your hearts and have a passion for the things that you have a passion for, Lord. And Father, we give you thanks for your goodness in this place. We exalt you and glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I believe that many of us, in not knowing what God is up to, keeps us from participating. But in Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, the Bible clearly says that the people who know their God, the people who know, the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. If there's something that bothered me when I first got saved is understanding how bad the devil was using me for his agenda. I was a part of his crew of cronies that were going around, and thank God I never became a brony. Thank God he didn't get me in that captured scenario where I lost my masculinity and became effeminate and began to walk away from the challenge of fighting the battles of the Lord. There was a day and age where men went out to fight for God, not run to hide from God. There was a day where men were heroes of their families, and they said, honey, you stay here, hold down the fort, I'm going to go and make sure that we're safe. And so we need to see God's agenda right there. People who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Uh, Men have lost their way and do not know what God is up to, do not know why God is up to it, but there was few men that we have in the Bible that were an example for us. Apostle Paul, for example, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, uh, the Apostle Paul was somewhat like a man who in his mid, um, maybe 30s, uh, mid 40s, decided, I'm, I'm on the wrong side of this thing. I, have, I, I see myself lost and inappropriately governed by these things. And now he writes to a young man saying, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. That's the highest charge that you can find yourself as a uh, participant in the Lord's army, an apostle. An apostle is one like a Navy SEAL. You throw him in the middle of a jungle and he calls back 90 days later. He says everybody is either killed, arrested, or brought under subjection. And he's establishing the culture of the, uh, the people who sent him out. An apostle was the first one sent into a foreign land to establish a culture, a language. He would subject all the peoples to start you know, speaking the language and, and living in the culture of the times. It's sent into a tribe, um, sent into a nation of barbarians. He was the first one, and it was a Roman title. He's the one that was spearheading the troops. He was a champion amongst champions. And now Paul says, that's me for Jesus Christ. 
And that's what we're building in this church. That's why it's unusual. We're building apostles, people that will change nations for the glory of God. And he says, and the, my instruction is not, I'm not living according to the opinion of man. I am walking by the commandment of God who is our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I'm reporting to duty. I am part of a team. I'm not only a part of the team. I'm a leader of the team that God has sent out according to his commandment to save man. And so he's writing. Who is this guy interested in writing to? I feel it's a waste of time to speak to anyone other than a son. Because a son only has one passion and it's to honor his dad. That's all a son wants to do. Dad, tell me what I got to do. I'm going to go do it. I'll come back. And many times David was sent out. He says, if you want to be a faithful son of this kingdom, bring me back um, a hundred foreskins. You guys know the foreskin is a private part of man's body. And he had to go and grab the enemy and just cut off their foreskin and come back and say, hey, look, I was able to conquer and I came against, in the old days, scalps. Go get a, a 500 scalps of those Navajo Indians and, and scalp them and bring them to the chief and, and lay them down um, of the cowboys. That meant you had to be a tough guy. And so he's writing to his son, verse 2, Paul the apostle, commander, following the commander-in-chief, writing to Timothy, a true son. It's kind of weary to have to write the word true before son. Because I couldn't imagine there to be a fake son, a not genuine son. What is a true son in the faith? Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and our leader, leader Jesus Christ. He's saying there is a father and son team that's up in the heavens and they work together. They've created everything and they're still working together. This isn't like Luke and Darth Vader who have split and Luke, I'm your father and, and dad has gone to the forces of darkness and Luke now is, no, that, that is an abomination. There is no splitting a father and a son. That is the ultimate team created by our God in heaven, the father and the son. And it's horrible to have a fake son, a false, a fraud son, a son who brings shame. That's, that's not to be the case. Um, yesterday at the park we were talking with a young man he was all over the place and I just began to say are you following the footsteps of your father he says yes I am and you could tell he was not totally rebellious so I had to bring Oliver over Oliver is 10 years old and I said Oliver where, what do you see in this 22 year old young man and he says pastor triple O <laughs> he's out of order and the man just looked at him because he says, no, 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 that's your opinion. I said, no, it's not my opinion. I'll call you a 10-year-old man, a 10-year-old young man, and he'll tell you you're out of order. You're not doing what's right. You're not, you're not proceeding in exemplary. I said, I looked at Julian who was right next to him, and I said, this small child who's four or five years old is going to look at you and see you out of order. Your example is bad. It's not convenient. It's not consistent with what God is calling you to do. And so he says, this conversation's over. He doesn't want to hear sound instruction. He doesn't want to hear sound advice. So here, Tim, Paul is writing to Timothy, and I just want to focus upon if there was a Paul in your generation, if he's writing to a Timothy in your generation, if there was a, a, an apostle, a special messenger um, that was writing on behalf of the commander-in-chief Jesus Christ to a faithful son, and then he says like this, verse 3, do not entertain anyone else that brings any other teaching. That you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. What the heck are you doing? What is your game plan? Don't listen to anybody who doesn't have the same game plan. Somebody who has is, who is, uh, sequestered, kidnapped, taken the, the plans of God Far away, he says, do not entertain them. Verse 4, nor give them any importance. Don't give a second of your time to people that are talking garbage, um, fables, traditions. You can see a lot of people will talk to you about uh, the hunter games. They'll talk to you about Harry Potter. They'll take the, the genealogies. They'll dispute what I think about God. Um, nothing which 
edifies godly. It doesn't help anybody. At the end of that conversation, nobody's better off for it. And he says, quit giving your time over to people that are talking garbage. And verse 5, he says specifically, the purpose of our commandment is true love from a pure heart in a good conscience, in a sincere faith. He says, if you put all this together in a laser beam tight message and format, this is it. This is the message. In verse 6, he says, because some have missed the mark and they're shipwrecked because they're talking garbage. Some have strayed and they're talking things they shouldn't be talking, pursuing things they should not be pursuing. They want to hold themselves out as experts. Verse 7, they say they know what they're saying. They say they uh, are lining up their life with a schedule and agenda, but they understand neither what they say nor the things that they are approving. They have lost the way. They have lost the map, and Paul is trying to get him to understand this. So then verse 8, he says, the law we've been given, the, the instruction, we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. If we get the instruction and we follow the game plan, everything is perfect. Knowing this, verse 9, the law did not come for the people that are doing right, but for the ones that are twisted and insubordinate. Lawless, insubordinate, ungodly sinners. This is unholy, profane. That's six. Six descriptions that I, all I can say is utterly, 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 utterly off the mark. They've gone away. Um, stick one finger up and say ungodly. Sinners. Lawless. Insubordinate. Unholy. And they've profane. That means they've gone away from uh, the boundaries. That's what the word profane means. They have, uh, they have crossed the border. They have crossed the territories. And Paul is saying, this is not a problem. This is the issue. This is not a setback. This is, the, this is what we're living. So I asked a gentleman's wife about a month ago. I said, your husband is 40 years old. He knows a lot of people, makes a lot of money. Name me one person who's an example for him as a real man. And she says, I can't think of anyone. I've been married to him for 15 years. We know a lot of people. We know a lot of family. We have a lot of friends. I can't name you one example that is worthy for him to imitate and follow. I went to Ecuador. I was in a church of 5,000 people. I asked the pastor's son, name me one person other than your father, the pastor, who you consider a hero. Somebody that you can, that you can, he was 28 at the time. Give me someone whose footsteps you can follow and imitate and they look as a person that you can say, I want to be like that man. I want to be like that, that example of a man. And he says, no one. In 5,000 people in a church, there's not one example of a true, faithful, genuine, holy I mean, you just turn these words upside down and you understand what God is looking for. Instead of lawless, he's looking for lawful. Instead of insubordinate, which means not under order, you could talk about um, being in order. Ungodly, to be godly, to be like God. A sinner, not to be a saint. To be unholy, to walk away from things that are twisted. Holiness having the, the effect of staying away, to be separate. Profane means not keeping boundaries. Keeping boundaries. These are murderers of fathers. It, uh, Jesus said to the men of his time, you are the ones that murdered the prophets. How do you murder a prophet? When he comes to you with the word of the Lord, you say, get out of my life. You separate them. You, 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 you despise them. You don't want him in your life. And murderers of mothers. One who separates themselves, slays their moms, doesn't want to hear. Manslayers. These, these are, Paul is directing his instruction to his young Timothy saying, this is not a problem, this is the issue. Men are twisted. And then he continues to say, the law is not for the righteous, but for the lawless. For the ones that are out of order. Verse 10. Fornicators. Fornicators. Um, I want to challenge this morning for there to have been a former fornicator to stand up, please. 
Okay, could you please stand over here on the stage? No, just one, please, 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 please. You'll have your opportunity. <laughs> Sodomites are homosexuals. Um, we will ask the Lord to give us insight on this, but this most likely is a brony. This is somebody who's effeminate, somebody who plays with Barbies. Kidnappers. Have you ever taken a friend? My, one, of my, one of my friends last week after he became a Christian, he had uh, one of his employees that for 20 years is a Christian man, and he would say, I have no one to drink with, so you're coming with me. So he would go and kidnap a man and bring him and take him to go drinking. He was a Christian man. He didn't want to drink, but that's what you call a kidnapper, somebody who takes a friend to go do something wrong. Do, did anybody ever take a friend to go do something wrong? You raise your hand. Armando, come up here. Maybe a Christian man, and you take somebody to go do something non-Christian. A liar. Is there anybody we used to ex expert on lying? Come on. No, Ralph, I'm going to keep you for the... <laughs> yeah, because I want the real hardcore. Who raises their hand here? Stephanie, you want to come up here? Come up here. Liar. Somebody who swore they were telling the truth and was not telling the truth. Anybody swore, I promise. George Smith, get up here. Um, George Smith, what a testimony. You can talk to any one of these people, and they'll tell you the stories of their life and how they were saved. If there's any one other thing that is contrary to the doctrine, verse 11. According to the gospel of Jesus Christ, Blessed God, who is, who, he says, there's, there's a game plan for this type of people. There's a game plan for people that walk in these type of things. And the game plan is this. He says, um, verse 12, I give thanks to God. This is Paul, our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful and put me into ministry. Well, it must be that Paul was above board in all these matters. So that's what qualified him to go save men. But if you keep on reading to verse 13, he says, I was formerly a blasphemer. I spoke against the Lord. How, how many have spoken against the Lord? Who do we have here that is a blasphemer? Richard Romero, get up here. I remember your story with Eric. You're ragging on your friend who's trying to witness you, and you're telling him he's a whatever. You stand over here, you blasphemer. Former blasphemer. Former, former. Persecutor. Whoever made fun of a friend that was a Christian before you became a Christian. Nuri, get over here. Nuri. Nuri used to make fun of all her friends. Ah, you guys think you're a Christian. But I obtained mercy. He says, formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent man. Who is proud to degrees that you were proud of being proud? Anybody? Proud of being proud. Anybody? Ariel, come up here. You proud of being proud, former blasphemer, insolent, lawless, unholy, ungodly. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. This is Paul. This is the apostle. This is, this is the man who's leading God's troops now. I formerly, before, was a blasphemer. I made fun of Christians. I was shamefully, outrageously, and aggressively insulting them. Nevertheless, I obtained his mercy because I acted out of ignorance. And verse 15, he says... This is the bottom line. This is it. This is our focus. We shouldn't be serving God if we don't understand our focus. This is the faithful saying and worthy of everyone accepting that Christ came into the world to save sinners. That's the message. That's the message of, of whom I am chief. Uh, Chris Reyes, get over here, chief. Get over here. You know the worst of sinners? The ones who think they're not. The ones that think, oh, salvation, me, who, Chris? Ooh, oh. Get over here, son. Because God saved you by his mercy and grace. And, and forevermore he's to be exalted and lifted up as the king of glory. Verse 16. 
However, for this reason I obtain mercy that in me first. You guys say me first. Me first. Me first. Me first. Me first. Jesus Christ might show his patience, his long-suffering to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life, those that come to him for salvation. And because it's us first, Verse 17, we are the objects to give the keen, eternal, immortal, invisible to God alone. Be honor, glory forever and ever. Amen. And, and we don't worship God like we should because we don't acknowledge where we stood one day. Liars, cheaters, unholy, fornicators, sodomites, pornography. Now we start with Ralph Casolo. Drunkards, please come here. This man could not stop drinking. That's what you call an alcoholic. If he shares with you his testimony, he'll tell you from the moment he woke up to the moment he was going to bed, the man was under, under the influence of alcohol. Huge. At levels that far surpass, I mean, you drink water. This man loved beer. Loved anything that would give him that sentiment. The Bible says like this, adulterers. Do we have anybody brave enough to say, I formally cheated on my wife? Anybody, please, show forth the glory of God. Come over here, Eric Gill. Isn't that crazy? Idolaters. Do we have any santeros in the house? Anybody who worshipped idols? Anybody? Look, Nestor, you're going to have to come and represent your mom. Thank you. Yes or no? Absolutely. One of the biggest santeras in Miami. How many, how many ahalos? Hundreds. A woman who her, old, her whole house was infested with idolatry and serving idols and in the backyard a uh, guano a grass hut where she would do rituals every week every month idolaters um, those people that walked in hatred you you weren't an alcoholic you weren't a fornicator but you had a, such a easy capacity to hate people anybody come on Adriana get up here you hater, formerly. <laughs> formerly a hater, developing ways and devising attitudes on how I can hate people. Now she's loving people all the time. Contentious, people that love to argue. I wish Jose Palma was here. <laughs> a former contentious man, twisted. Do we have any of Jose Palma's former disciples? Argumentative. Selfish. Anybody selfish? Come over here, Julie May. You selfish, formerly selfish girl. Drunkards. We have Ralph Casella up here. Murderers. Outbursts of wrath. Anybody thrown into tantrums from time to time? Tantum throwers? Lewd, lascivious. This is, this is what Paul is telling Timothy. The reason we worship Jesus Christ. Uh, Walter, you better get up here, you birth of wrath, formerly known. Thug, you. I remember you. You did not want to get Walter upset. Because he had a very short wick. Alex Calderon, what are you doing there, my friend? Get over here. <laughs> burst of wrath? You look up in the definition, burst of wrath, and it used to say Alex Calderon, a.k.a. Squig. 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 This is, this is what Paul is writing about. There is no greater cause on the face of the earth than the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no greater cause. There is no greater reality. 
And that's why he says in verse 15, going back to 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a sure, truthful saying, uh, worthy of universal acceptance, that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners of who I am, number one, Paul says. Verse 18, no, verse 17. So he says, because this is reality, now to glory, honor, immortal, invisible God, who alone is full of wisdom, full of worthy honor and glory forever and ever. See, the devil wants to continue to call these people, you, me, that we are worthy of total despisement. That we're, they continue to raise up and point fingers. Manny Vega, get over here, please. Don't lose this opportunity. This is a man who had a grandma who would preach to him for all his life and figured out what she was trying to tell him when she was dead. But thank God she had left her Bible to her grandson, who now is super saved, super redeemed, super washed in the blood. A man who's been saved by grace. He didn't understand the message grandma was telling him his whole life. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, God's goodness appears. And so this is why the king of eternity is worthy of of our allegiance. And so he says to Timothy, this this is the groundwork, telling Timothy in verse 18, this I charge you to commit. This, this is what I'm putting into your hands. This is, the, this is the work that's upon the earth that you've been given to. According to everything the, the Bible speaks of concerning you, that in this message you might wage warfare. That's talking about grabbing some black ink. It's time to, to fight the battles of the Lord, to go and conquest the men that are stuck in their ways who do not know about Jesus Christ who have not heard about the gospel who do not think it's real and Paul is saying I'm giving this into your charge I'm committing it to you my son Timothy that you might fight the good fight and hold fast verse 19 make sure that no one shakes it loose Because some have shipwrecked concerning this cause. Some have not been able to continue to fight the battle. Some have lost the focus. Some have stopped giving God the glory. They have turned away from having faith and a good conscience, rejecting it. And so they have suffered shipwreck in their faith. Whenever you see a Christian that had walked off and abandons the truth, we call it AWOL. Absent without leave. They without permission have left the ranks of God's people. They have lost the cause. The motivation is love for God so loved the world. What should fill the hearts of men that have been redeemed is the love of God. Tell people all the time, I don't know why I even care that you go to hell. Why should I even care that you don't come to church? Why should I even care that you dishonor and disobey your parents? You know what it is? The love of God compels us. Because God doesn't want any man to perish. God wants to save all men. And there he says, some have shipwrecked. And then in verse 20, he names them. How would you like to have your name on this list? Of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander and Steve and John and Paul and, and Ricky and Richard? Here are the names of those that, that are not walking in the cause of God. That haven't joined God's team. That are not fighting the Lord's battle. Whom I have delivered to Satan. So they stop missing the point. Missing the mark. Missing the understanding. They don't want to be on God's team. Let them be on the devil's team. Verse 21. Chapter 1. I mean chapter 2 verse 1. Therefore, 
Because this is the case. This is the focus. This is why we come here on, on Sunday to worship the king. He's saving all men. He's saving every person in your family. He's saving your sons, your daughters, your grandsons, your granddaughters, your neighbors, your friends. We're going to Mexico to meet with 3,000 people. We're going to Nicaragua to, to meet with thousands of people that some might be saved. And this is the cause and the passion of God. And so he tells his faithful disciple, for this reason, I exhort, number one, first foremost cause and demand, that prayers be lifted up, thanking God for all men, the most wicked, the most deprived, the ones that have hurt you the most. Raise them up before God that he might save them. That he might touch their hearts. That he might transform them. We have all sorts of descriptions of the manner of the wayward heart of men. Bad fathers, bad mothers, bad husbands, bad wives, wicked, cruel, hateful, lost man. And God's passion is not to throw them in hell. God's passion is not to forget them. God's passion is not to make them suffer and punish them. But the gift of God is salvation by grace. By the goodness of man, uh, God. He says, let prayers be continually offered. Giving thanks. That's where God moves. The devil moves when you're unthankful. The devil moves when you're bitter and resentful. The devil moves and darkness pervades a house full of insult and profanity and strife and contention. James 3.16 says where there is selfish ambition and selfish conceit, that is the bedspring of every evil spirit. You're calling upon demons to come in your house. By the attitudes you embrace in your hearts. So the Bible says to be thankful. Let's go back to 1 Timothy 2.1. Lifting up prayers and intercessing and lifting up uh, uh, petitions. No, 1 Timothy 2.1. 1 Timothy 2.1. He's, he's directing his... 1 Timothy 2.1. I exhort first of all that you pray in, in supplication is, Lord, supply their needs. That, that, a supplication is, Lord, supply them. What is missing? What do they need? You be their source. Don't let the devil be their source. Don't let them think that they can walk away from God who is the source of all our needs. Prayers, supplications, prayers, intercession. And giving thanks for all men. Verse 2. For those that are in leadership first. Kings. All who are in authority. Fathers. Husbands. The ones that are leading their homes. The ones that need and are called to lead. So that there might be quiet and peaceful life. In godliness and reverence. He continues on to say in verse 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God. When God starts seeing us move in the direction of that which brings him pleasure, he's giving us a thumbs up. He's saying, yes, I want it to go in that direction, not in another direction. Verse 4. Who desires, could you say with me, all men? Amen. He wants this to happen because he, in the heart of hearts, desires all men to be saved. Every single one, in every nook and cranny, it, it says to come to the knowledge of truth. Verse 5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. This is the game plan. It doesn't get confusing. There's one God and one pathway to salvation, the man Christ Jesus. He's the only one that saves He's the only one that directs our path. He's the only one that is consistent with wisdom. Verse 6. Why is he the only one? Because he's the one that paid the price. He's the one that died for us on the cross. He paid the ransom. 
He gave himself as a ransom for all men to be revealed in due time, to be spoken of and pronounced and proclaimed. Verse 7, for which I was appointed a preacher. And so that's why he's calling this stuff and he's saying, and a teacher to the Gentiles. I'm going to proclaim. This is our calling as the church to proclaim what God is doing upon the earth. To have the excellence of, of praise and worship is not to come here on Sundays and say, well, here we go again. But no, there's a game plan for salvation for all men in Christ Jesus through the cross that all might, men might be saved. Well, every single one of the chairs in this church at every service should be jam-packed giving honor and glory to God, who is the way, the truth, and the life, bringing all men. Listen, I could sit, we could sit here for the next six months and just start interviewing each one of these persons with detailed precision and the complexity of their lives and everything. And listen to me, like Paul says, not one of us is perfect, but one thing we do, we continue to move forward. We continue to mature. We continue to, to try and lay hold, Paul says. Not that I have attained it yet, but one thing I do, I want what God wants. I want to participate with what God has given all for us to participate with. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. So we're not lost in this process. For there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name. It's not Hitachi, it's not Kawasaki, it's not Suzuki, it's not Calvin Klein, it's not Apple. Those are impressive brands and fashions and models. It's not BMW. It's not the PlayStation 3 that brings you this. It's not the NFL, it's not the NBA. There's one name, one name and one name alone. It's not the almighty dollar. It's not money. It's only one name given to man. There is salvation in no other, but there is no other name under heaven given among men by what, which we must be saved. We must. This is it. There is no other game plan. The Bible says that we're, Philippians 2.12 says, take care of your salvation. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. People have walked away from Jesus. People have walked away from giving him glory. The, the reasons they do are thousands, are hundreds of thousands, but they all lie in one thing. They've turned their back on the one who gave his life for them. That's all. They've neglected their salvation, which is individual. You're not supposed to look to the side. If any one of these people looked to the side, they wouldn't be here this morning. They have to continue to move forward. He says, not when I'm present only. I know you've always obeyed, but not when I'm here, much more when I'm not here. When the pastor's not around, when you're not in church, that's when you should worry the most because that's where Satan's going to want to take your salvation. Work out, say, your own. Your own. This is yours, my friend, that your name would not be erased from the Lamb's book of life. That you concern yourself about your own salvation with serious fear and trembling. Serious concern. I, I have another verse up here that says in Hebrews. It says those who did not hold fast to their salvation, they, they neglected it in ways that were outrageous. I believe it's Hebrews 4. They neglected. They, they put it on the shelf. They did not consider it worthy to continue living for God. And, and we're, we're supposed to concern ourselves. Hebrews 4 verse 11. Let us be diligent to enter in lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. I want to tell you that the only thing that keeps you saved is obedience. You can say amen right there. Amen. The only thing that keeps you saved is obedience because that's what he's doing. He's teaching us obedience. Hebrews 5.9 says, making perfect. Being made perfect. He became the author of eternal salvation for all 
who obey him. There's no salvation for disobedient. You don't get rewarded for walking in the many times you can disobey, the many times you can have your way. That's not rewarded in the kingdom of heaven. Acts 2.21, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone who lifts up their name to Jesus Christ is going to be saved. I, I want to challenge those that have come up to the altar today that you just step down and go to somebody and say, I commit to you the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ. Could you go do that? Just pick anyone in the crowd. Say, I go ahead, go down and say, look, I commit and just shake their hand. Say, I commit to you the salvation, the gospel of salvation. I commit to you the gospel of salvation. I commit to you the gospel of salvation that is in Jesus Christ, that we might be saved. I commit to you the salvation that's in Jesus Christ, that you might be saved. Really important. Matthew 121, before Jesus ever came on the scene, he was announced as the one that would bring forth, Mary would bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And the word Jesus means Savior. That's who we worship. A, a God who saves. A God who delivers. The most twisted scenario that you can think of, our God is able to save. His name is Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He will save man from destruction. He will save man from being lost. He will come and give us salvation that, that is glorious to all men. Romans 1.16, this is Paul now, the apostle. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Listen, you might hang out with Snoop Doggy Dog and Puff Daddy and Jennifer Lopez and, and, and Miley Cyrus. And you might hang out with all those people. Let me tell you something. There's only one person I want him to hang out with. His name is Jesus Christ. There's only one person I want to know. He who honors Christ. There's only one person that I want to stand next to and be found blameless at his coming. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone. Man, I know that if I was God, I would say, not him. Not, not her. Not now. Not ever. I, I would be picking people apart. How about you? How, how big would your heaven be? It would probably just be people that you like. And then he died for those that didn't like him. He says that while we were enemies, he died on the cross. To open the roadway for all. That's why it's going to be so devastating in hell. Because every single human being would have had a videotape reminder of the day God had his arms open wide calling them to come. All men, all tribes, all nations. Revelations 19.1 says all peoples everywhere on that day will be declaring. After these things I heard a loud voice, a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and honor belong to the Lord our God. Yes. This man was looking at the oceans of people that understood salvation. That understood Christ. That understood Christianity. Salvation has come and it belongs to our Lord forever and ever. Revelations 20 verse 15. Those that were against it. Those that opposed it. Those who walked contrary to salvation. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. My friend, where will you be? Where will your loved ones be? You've been a Christian for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and still have not been able to sit down with your family and loved ones and explain to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. They haven't heard the message. They haven't heard. And they need to hear. And we need to represent this salvation gloriously. People sit out. They say, I don't have time to go to church. And they sit for two hours at a tailgate party at the stadium. And they're mocking God. They say they don't have time for God and for church because it takes too long. 
And they spend three hours at a sporting event with an hour before and an hour after, five hours to go and give glory to those who are not saving men, who are not bringing men to salvation, who are not participating. And so Paul writes, Hebrews 2, 3, how shall we escape if we have despised and neglected? The word neglect is very funny because the word neglect doesn't mean evil and it doesn't mean good. It means indifferent. I haven't done nothing. Exactly, my friend. You are in a whole bunch of trouble. You're not hot. You're not cold. You're lukewarm. He'll vomit you, which is not a good expression. He wants you. I had to go to Barnes and Nobles. I said, Lord, if you want me to love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, let me go to Barnes and Noble. I'll go to the love section. I need to find out how to fall in love. I want to love you like you want me to love you. And the number one thing for those that want to know how to fall in love is who you spend time with. That's it. I want to spend more time with you, Lord. Every time to come to church, I love church. I'm going to stay here forever. What a tailgate party. You can't, no way. I want more and more of Jesus. I want more of his love. I want more of his peace. But if we don't create an environment in church understanding these things, and I think God is doing a great job this morning, letting us know what it's all about, letting us know whose team we're on. Where would we be if we continue to be drunkards and liars and fornicators and thieves and, and all manner of evil, selfish, proud? How will we escape when we're indifferent to so great of salvation? Which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and now we, it's no longer a message, my people. My people, it's no longer a message, it's reality. Look right next to you. You guys will be serving demons, drinking rat's blood, being lost in sin, being drunkard, being naked, being strippers at bars, liars and thieves, in jail, in prison. And Christ has saved us by his grace, by his goodness. He alone is worthy of glory. He alone. And people say, well, I'll think about it. No. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, now is the day of salvation. Right now. Don't leave it for tomorrow. For he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you. And in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. We've put it off too long already. This is some good preaching. God is good. We need to be filled with the Spirit and go tell the world, you need to get saved. 2 Timothy 3.15 says, many are being lost, but you have learned the Holy Scriptures. Verse 15. That from a little child you have known the Holy Word of God, which is the, listen, the, the Holy Word able to make you wise for salvation. That's, all, that's what the message is from the first book of the Bible where God creates all things. The last book, the issue of the word of God is salvation. Why? We're blind, we're lost, we're deceived. we each gone our own way. We're distant, we're far from the promises of God. And God wants us to come near by the blood of the Lamb. God wants us to come and find a great salvation in his mercy and grace. Hebrews 6.4 says like this, it's impossible that those who have already tasted the gift of salvation, those that come and taste, they sit down and they have a churrasco, a filet mignon, they have a rabo encendido, they have fellowship, they have intimacy with Christ and his salvation. It's impossible once they tasted this gift and they've partnered with the Holy Spirit. Verse 5. After they've tasted the good word of God and the powers of salvation that saved their family, their marriage, their home. It's impossible 
Verse 6. If they fall away to renew this again, there is no second chance. You can't go find Jesus again, again, again. You can't go and try and find. One man left this church. He says, I'm going to go find a good church. I said, my friend, you're not looking for a good church. I saw him years later. He says, I finally found the church I was looking for. The pastor doesn't talk to me. I could come in and out of here, and he never cares what's going on in my life. That's not the church of Jesus Christ, my friend, because we cry with the tears of God, and the, the, what he cries about is our, is our sadness, and what he rejoices about is our rejoicing. It's impossible once you fall away to try and do it all again, and so God have mercy on something the Bible calls a reprobate, an apostate, someone who walks away Someone who's indifferent, somebody who is shipwrecked, somebody who has let their, their relationship with God grow stale. You wouldn't be able to carry a marriage or a family or a relationship with your children because you cannot let those things grow stale. And should we not all the more pursue our salvation with fear and trembling? Should we not all the more be an encouragement to those people that are next to us? Let's stand this morning. I hope that you understand this letter written by Paul to Timothy. He wanted him to get the direct source of what was going on. And this morning, God has given us that privilege and opportunity to understand why we worship, where we worship, what our salvation cost. It was priceless and it was paid and given to you as a gift for free. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, this is the gift of God. We are saved by grace. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. You did nothing to, to be invited to be here. And it's a gift of God, verse 9. Not of works, so that no one walks around saying, hey, it was all there for me the whole time. It's not. You better take care of it or you lose it. You won't remember it. You'll be having fellowship with Satan and demons and hell for all eternity because you despised, you neglected, you refuse to push, and the Bible says the kingdom of God is made violent, and the valiant men take it by force. We're going to fight the battles of the Lord. It's a glorious thing to sit there with your family and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, that's what Joshua said, and his name means salvation also. Those that are in salvation gather with their families and say, me and my family will serve the God of heaven, Jesus Christ, a world-changing Savior. Father, we give you thanks this morning, even as we have overextended our stay, Lord, but it's, it's because your goodness in our lives that we're even here, Lord. What a privilege and an honor to be part of your house, your people, your family. Those that, that proclaim and live out the grace of God, the abundance of your mercy towards us day after day that allows us to breathe, to move, to have our being. We pray, Father God, that the grace of God that appears to all men to bring salvation would become vivid, would become real, would become vibrant, O oh God, in our hearts and in our worship, that we might give you the best of the best of our praise, the best of the best of our worship, the best of the best of our faithfulness, that we might dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And surely your goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Greet your brothers and your sisters.